This is the Go Radio Football Show Podcast. Hosted by Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Craigan. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Well, a big week is looming for Rangers and Celtic in Europe. The champions have still to hit top gear, but they are top of the Premiership and they've lost only one game in their last ten and that was Lyon. But off to a losing start in the Europa League, Stephen Craig, and that makes this week's trip to Prague an important one if Rangers are to again reach the last 16. Well, all the chat ahead of Leon was that they were the number one seeds, Rob, so it was always going to be about going to Prague and against Bromby. You know, I think that's their next four games in the Europa League. If they can pick up 10, 10 or 12 points in that period, the form would tell you they've got a little bit of work to do, but if they could pick up maximum points, that would guarantee progression. But... It's going to be a tough one going to Prague. It sure is. After seven league games, Celtic trail Rangers by six points. A draw with Dundee United at Celtic Park on Sunday was another big disappointment for a team in transition and still minus key players. They'll have to be better, though, on Thursday night against Bayer Leverkusen, John Hartson, who are second only in the Bundesliga after half a dozen games to the great Bayern Munich. That's going to be tough for Celtic, isn't it? It is. Well, you think Ferenc Varos and, and Celtic will be the weaker two uh, teams in that particular group. You look at uh, Real Betis and um, and uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Really tough games. I'd be surprised if uh, on the back of Celtic, you know, losing at Livingston and drawing at the weekend, you know, they got several players, key players out. That would be an extremely difficult game by Leverkusen Thursday evening at Celtic Park. Yes, you have the crowd and it's a European fixture, but then you also have to go to Aberdeen away three days later. Yeah. Celtic not one away yet, away from home, should I say. Um, you know, lots of changes to the defence. Andrews had to make a lot of changes to midfield, key players missing, you know, forward-wise as well. So um, I still think he needs another window and he looks at his bench at times and he's thinking, well, I've got to leave players on because I'm 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 not got enough players that could come on and change the game in terms of quality. So that that's it's you know Celtic have it all to do. I really think so. But um, you know I think Ange will um, will will still I still think he'd be supported by the majority of the Celtic fans. Although it is a big game, isn't it? Um, not just on Thursday, uh, as John says, but on Sunday as well. Two managers. Yeah, I mean obviously Ange Postecoglou's got to be given time but Stephen Glass is a, is a manager under pressure as well that's eight games without a win now for Aberdeen we'll get back to that we'll get back to what happened at the weekend still reflecting on those results at the weekend it's a tight premiership table and uh, we'll be looking ahead to the big European matches. As John says, 5.45 Rangers in the Czech Republic against Sparta Prague. 8 o'clock Celtic at home to Bayer Leverkusen. We're just looking through their uh, squad last night. They are pretty impressive, and that's going to be a a tough one uh, in the East End for Celtic. Scotland squad name today. We're going to be hearing from Stevie Clark in the course of the show, getting his thoughts on a variety of subjects. Uh, the two upcoming games are Scotland against Israel or a week on Saturday. Um, it's a five o'clock kickoff and it's sold out. Uh, it's great to be able to use those words in relation to that game. Then it's the Pharaohs away from home in Torshavn. Um, which brings back some pretty horrendous memories, to be honest, from the past when Scotland uh, were in the Faroes. Uh, and that one is on the following Tuesday, so Tuesday the 12th, and that is 7.45. The Scotland squad, Craig Gordon, Liam Kelly and John McLaughlin 
And that means uh, McLaughlin back and Xander Clark uh, drops out, who was in for the last uh, three internationals. Didn't play, but was in the squad. Defenders, Liam Cooper, Grant Hanley, Jack Hendry, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Nathan Patterson, Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney. Midfield, Stuart Armstrong not playing for Southampton at the moment, but uh, the information, obviously, for Stevie Clark is that he is going to be uh, back playing shortly and will get enough game time that justifies his place in the squad. Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen keeps his place in the squad. Billy Gilmer of Norwich, John McGinn of Aston Villa, Callum McGregor, the Celtic captain, again, not playing, um, but I think... It seems that he won't play on Thursday, but but will be around on Sunday for Celtic at Aberdeen. And uh, Stevie Clark hoping he's going to be part of the Scotland squad for those upcoming games. Kenny McLean of Norwich, Scott McTominay of Manchester United is back in the squad. David Turnbull of Celtic, and the forwards are Che Adams, uh, Ryan Christie, Lyndon Dykes, Ryan Fraser. And Kevin Nisbet, Craig's what are you making of that selection? And the news of the, the coaching setup is that although Austin McPhee is back, because he was isolating last time, so couldn't be involved, um, he's back and available, but Stephen Naismith is going to be kept on as well as a conduit, I think as Stevie Clark calls him, uh, between him and the players. I think what you look at the squad is you look at consistency. It's the one thing that Steve Clark has tried to bring in since he got the job, is to try and retain as many players as possible, because you end up building... Uh, a good relationship off the pitch you start to build relationships on the pitch and when players turn up for the squad they've got a good idea who's coming what personalities you have uh, who he trusts um, who he knows can play in certain parts of the team Declan Gallican misses out Greg Taylor misses out which is you know big Declan hasn't been playing for Aberdeen so it is very difficult to get into the Scotland squad but I just think bringing the likes of McTominay in Callum McGregor hopefully being fit um, you know bringing them back into the squad Scotland have done the hard yards Rob they've been to Austria They've been to Denmark and they've been to Israel and they come out with four points out of nine, which is a decent return. Now, when the fixtures are favourable towards them, they've got the home game against Israel, they've got the away game against um, the Fairwinds, then they've got an away game against Moldova. And you can get nine points from those three games or even seven points from, these throw uh, from those three games puts you in a really strong position because your last game is Denmark at home. Denmark can be qualified, might come, take the foot off the gas a little bit, but go and deal with it. Go and win your next three games and you at least get a playoff spot. Going to hear from Stevie Clark shortly what he was saying today at the media conference as he announced that squad. He loves his players. He said it on the back of the Austrian game, said it again today. Uh, there's a really good bond there um, and there's a, a lot of trust uh, from Stevie Clark and the players as well. And he talks about familiarity as well. There aren't really any great eyebrow raisers about that squad. He's going to go with the people who've served him well so far and he thinks they will continue to serve him well. We're going to be speaking about uh, Rangers and Celtic in Europe. And we're looking back on the weekend as well. More drop points for Celtic. And um, it's now 10 points for them out of a possible 21 uh, so far this season, which doesn't sound too hot. Uh, already six points behind Rangers. John Hartson, Stephen Cragen, Rob McLean in the studio. And we've got Jamie in Airdrie on the line. Hi, Jamie. Uh, good, good evening, lads. Good evening. A special good evening to the legend who gave us a lot of joy at Parkheed's birth. Several years. Thanks, John. Really, thanks for all your contributions to the club. I sure really want to speak to you, but obviously, Celtic, that, because you played in the club, you know what the fans expect. And obviously, I'm going to Parkheed as well. So, what do you think about this? You know, the moment, obviously, as Rob just mentioned there, 21 points 
played for this season and we've only got 10. I know we've been several injuries and all that, but surely we've got enough international players to beat Livingston the United. I just want to know your opinion, big man. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, thank you for them kind words. Um, my honest opinion is I, I think that Ange Postecoglou came in. There was an awful big turnaround uh, of players. Some big players have gone. Uh, he's he's made some decent signings. One or two of the signings have, are still to convince me personally. Um, and I think Jamie, when you miss your key players, let's not forget. You know, Kyogo started the season outstandingly well. Scored six goals well, in his definitely definitely yeah he scored six goals in eight games and then you miss Kyogo for the next three or four possibly another two Callum McGregor probably for me the best midfield player in Scotland when you haven't got Callum oh, McGregor when you haven't got him and you, you haven't got your captain you know it's going to affect the team Abad has been in and out he's had to make changes he's not had a settled back four He's not at a settled midfield and he's had to make changes up the top end of the pitch. And when he looks at his bench, Jamie, when Ange Postecoglou looks to bring on substitutions, he looks at it and thinks, well, I'd like to take Ayeti off. He looks tired. Jota looks tired. But he's looking at the bench and he's thinking, these players I've got as substitutes. I'm not quite sure whether, you know, they can come in and, and do a, a, a decent enough job to finish the game off and and to and to make that big of a key difference, I think, I think the squad is still very thin on the ground. Certainly, Ange needs another window. And if I said at the start of the season, with everything put in the mix at the start of the season, getting Ange in really really late, if Celtic were to win the league this year, it would be an unbelievable achievement. Rangers started the season, rightly so, the favourites. Um, They've lost this season, but they seem to be winning games and not quite being at their best, which is a sign of, of a good side. Um, so for me, Ange Postecoglou has to get more time. It's early in the season. We've not won away from home yet, but uh, he'll know that. And I think the biggest pressure, Jamie, on Ange will be the pressure he's putting on himself. He's an honest, he's a big, straight-talking guy. He'll know away from home the results have not been there. And it's something you could say it's not been good enough. But Celtic won't make a change in terms of the managerial role. I think they'll just keep going. Because if you make a change at this stage, the new manager, whoever it may be, there's nothing come out of Celtic, by the way. There's nothing come out. No statement. The manager, they're still with him, of course. But if anybody else was to come in, then they'd have the same problems. They'd want to bring in their own players. You know, and, and we know, Jamie, the big problems are in defence. Going forward, we look very good, but defensively, we look all over the shop can at I, times. Can I, make, can I make another call of voice to you, big man? Obviously, yeah. I, know we, I know what you're saying, right? I know what you're saying, but the Celtic fans expect to win the league, Sean. It doesn't matter, it matter if it's a, a transitional period or no. We expect to win the league. The atmosphere Sunday after... They gave against the dear right, it was terrible. Rude, rude me and Sunday, we were all booed and all that because the team were far too slow. The passing was sideways. Sorrows a waste of face. I wouldn't play up my youth team. And the likes of that is Big Rogic. He plays well now, the kid. Yeah. See, on, see on Sunday there, he tried to beat three men instead of getting the shot at. 
and I don't know about David Turnbull was doing Sunday as well. But can I make a point about the defence? Mm. I totally agree with you about the defence. I've I've watched Starfield a couple of times in Parky this season, obviously, because I'm going to get as well. I'm in the wheelchair section. Mm. I'm in the wheelchair section at Parky, so I'm going to get as well. And I know you've seen him one or two this season, I know. Big Starfield doesn't impress me so far. I know he's just into the club, but I think when Big Julian comes back, it should be Julian and Carter Vickers on the back. What do you think? Yeah, I, sorry, Rob, go on. You no, I, ju- I was just going to say, I, I, I think most Celtic fans would agree with that. Jamie, they, they can't wait for uh, for Chris Julian to be back. It's been a long time that he's been out. But let's let's just hear what Ange said. This was this was his reaction after the match on uh, on Sunday. Disappointed for the lads. I think uh, you know we we created enough chances to win a couple of games out there. So um, unfortunately, they didn't go in for us today. Um, players tried awfully hard, and uh, just wasn't to be. It's difficult to know what you could have changed up in the second half. I know you're short of attacking options, but do you think there was enough there in front of goal scoring opportunities and just a little bit more luck in front of goal might have changed things? Yeah. Well, we didn't get the answer to that one, did we? But uh, that was that was on Celtic uh, Celtic TV. What are you thinking about Celtic, Stephen Craigan, at the moment? Um, you know, 31 games to go is the is the obvious answer to anything you're going to plunge into in the way of a, a deep analysis of Celtic at the moment. Um, but even already, six points behind Rangers, not much margin for error even at this early stage. They don't want to be spilling too many more points. No, they don't. Uh, you know, I don't really get this that that their that their best players aren't fit because they have a budget of around forty million pounds wage budget. Livingston will be anything between a million and one and a half million. Dundee United will be anything between two and three. Dundee United were without Charlie Mulgrew and Mark McNulty, who are two of their best players and would have started. So I, I, I can't really buy into this. They haven't got strength and depth. Well, that's someone's fault at the club if they haven't brought in players who are good enough to go and beat Dundee United at home or beat Livingston away. You know, they should be have higher ambitions or loftier ambitions to go and win those kind of games. So um, ultimately, would Callum Gregor make them better? Of course he would. Would Kyogo? Of course he would. But you've got a £5 million or £6 million pound striker in Albion Ayeti. You've got an international goalkeeper in Joe Hart and goals. You've got Cameron's uh, Carter Vickers from Spurs. You've got a centre-half at £4.5 million. Pounds. You've, got, you've got international players throughout. I think Jamie was spot on. They should have more than enough in their locker to go and win those games. So, Craigs, when, when you pay when you, when you uh, pay £5 million pounds for Ayeti and he misses from three yards, what, what do you do about that? Ange didn't bring him in. He's the only fit striker at the football club. What do you do? What do you say? Because what you're saying is you're spot on. The players are not performing to the level of their, what they can do. He looks at his bench. Adam Montgomery, a young lad, you know, he's, he's just come into the group. He's made two or three appeals, but he's expected to come on and win games for Celtic. Be, be almost. Dundee United had a 16 year old centre half. 16, yeah, I, John. I, I know, but what I'm you know saying what I mean? is. But I'm talking different levels altogether. Let's go back to Celtic, like we were talking originally about. What do you, what does Ange do then when you go one nil up and your centre forward misses from three yards? If it goes two nil, Celtic probably win the game comfortable. So w- what are the answers? Do you sack the manager? No. Do you no, start no, again? No, you clearly so don't. So what, what do you do? I I think he needs another window. Mm. I think it makes a huge difference to Celtic in terms of when the striker comes in and starts brilliantly and everybody's back in Kyogo and says how wonderful his movement is. And then, he, unfortunately for him and the club, mm. he gets injured. Now, everything was going through him. Your skipper, McGregor, who was an outstanding footballer, makes Celtic tick. 
He makes players around him play better. McCarthy's come in, and McCarthy's he's just I love James McCarthy, Celtic to the core. But James McCarthy at this moment in time, he's, he's not bossing games. Did, did, did Celtic need to sign more players in the last window rather than thinking about the next window, which seems like a, a long way away well, at probably, the moment? They probably thought, Rob, they did enough. You know, you look at it. You but, the, but the reality at the moment is they didn't do enough because they've got, you know, maybe, three, felt, they've got maybe at the moment three yeah. or four really significant well, Jack players Marcus, out. Jack and Marcus gets Jack injured, Mar yeah. right? Kyogo gets injured. Yeah. He's left with a Yeti that probably wouldn't be in the first play. You know, we play that. He won't you, want a Yeti, will he? He, he doesn't he doesn't really does no. he want if he so could he get brings rid of in him. A Barda, who's had a fantastic start to the season, right? He brings in Kyogo. I like the boy Juranovic. Mm -hmm. Taylor gets injured. Abada's been in and out, one or two injured. James Forrest is still missing. This James Forrest's been out for a long time, yeah, though. That. But the defence, the defence haven't played together. Yeah. Every single game, that back four has changed. Mm. So there's no consistency. There's no continuity. Yeah. You know. So for me, it's it, it's difficult because he comes across brilliant. Some of his football was being outstanding. But when you are when you are minus three or four of your key players that started the season ever so well, didn't play too badly against Rangers either. Yeah. You know, they, they he's not got luck on they, his side. They, that's they, for they sure. They stood the test at Ibrox. To mm. be fair, we go back to Edward's chance. Blah blah blah. They give a bad goal away, of course, to Holanda. But are the Celtic fans are they getting frustrated? But all those players you've mentioned are all international players. Yeah, Dundee United are bringing in sixteen-year-old kids from the academy. They're yeah. bringing in Louis uh, Louis Apare, who's come through the academy. Uh, uh, Freeman, right back. Kieran Freeman, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dylan Levitt, twenty years of age, on loan from Manchester United, never really yeah. played any first team football. So it's completely different levels. Mm -hmm. They're not losing Charlie McGrew, Scottish international, and bringing in another Scottish international, no. and losing Mark McNulty as a Scottish international, and replacing another so Scottish. Looking, you know, looking, that's not happening. So I'm just saying that you know they should still have yeah. more than enough to be beating a I team know, like Dundee look, United. Looking at it, then, Craigs, it's like, is it the players' fault? Are they just not performing? You know, because. <laughs> Is it injuries? Is it is it luck? Is it? Well, it's what it's is probably it? quite a lot of things. Because I think, I think Angie's right. I think Angie's right. I think Carter Vickers um, gave a penalty away against Nicky Clark. He bundled him over. Dundee United should have had a penalty, but Celtic, Ayeti misses from three yards. Yeah, and they hit the bar we three times. And we hit the, and we hit the woodwork yeah. three times. Yeah. So if we if we're a little bit more um, clinical in front of goal, yeah. But, then, but at this moment in time, yeah. there's only seven games gone, and there's time to change it. The new the players will come back, the players that we're missing, our better players, which make us a better team. So at this moment in time, it's, it's difficult to put your finger on it, isn't it? Yeah, but you absolutely... Uh, Jamie, thanks for your call. Uh, by the way, you got us you got us going there very early Thank on in you, the Jamie. show. And you, and you do understand where he's coming from. Uh, that The Celtic fans are worried because, mm. as, as he said, and as I said as well, it's... 10 points from a possible first 21. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Thanks to Chris. And uh, he'll be back every 20 minutes or so in the show, just keeping us across on all the travel news. If you are uh, making your way home or heading somewhere at this moment in time. Good to hear from Jamie there. Thanks for your call. Uh, Jamie um, and he's a Celtic fan and there'll be lots of them around at the moment just not happy uh, with the way things are going lots of factors I think involved uh, but the big worry of course is that uh, Rangers disappear into the distance they're hardly firing on all cylinders themselves at the moment but they've only lost one of their last 10 Stephen Gerrard's team and they are top 
of the Premiership. It's certainly an interesting looking league table at the moment with uh, Rangers on 16. Hibs and Hearts are the only two unbeaten teams in the league on 15. And would you believe it, Crags? <laughs> in fourth place in the Premiership, yeah. shooting for a place in Europe, are Motherwell. Well, never mind Europe, Rob, on its own. I mean, at the, at oh, this, oh, it's title, isn't well, it? It's the title. At this rate, if they win on Saturday, they go top of the table and they can start dreaming about Champions League. I mean, I think it's a far distant dream. Certainly, Hibs and Hearts look best suited to putting up any kind of challenge. It was fun. I was speaking to someone today and, and, and we were kind of debating could the old firm be split this year? Could someone get in between them? And I think it will go down to Hibs and Hearts. They look the two sides who I've got a little bit about them. Hearts have already beaten Celtic first game of the season, so they've showed their statement of intent. And I think some of their performances recently have been really good. Hibs under Jack Ross still haven't beat Celtic or Rangers since he took charge home or away. So Jack would want to arrest that. They've got both. Um, they've got Rangers on Saturday, and I think they've got Celtic at the end of the month, mm -hmm. end of October. So a real chance for Hibs to you know lay a little marker down because Rangers and Celtic are busy with Europe, and if they'll have lots of players going on international duty, so if there's time to capitalise on Rangers and Celtic possibly dropping points. It probably has to come in the next couple of months when they've got international dates coming up. But certainly, it's making for an exciting league. Do you want to speak to Hugh and Lanark? <laughs> Let's do it. Hi, Hugh. Is that John's mate? Hi, Hugh. <laughs> See, I thought it was. Hi, hi, Johnny. How you doing, mate? I'm very um, well. How's it going? Good, not bad, not bad. Are you still not out in the golf course lately? Oh, uh, yeah, mate. I won, won the golf day. Oh, Ron, Ron no, Douglas don't, is, don't uh, ask him. Lanark Golf Club a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm quite proud of that because I've never won anything in my life on the golf course. <laughs> so, let, let me get that right. John Hartson won the John Hartson Golf Day. No, the uh, the Rob Douglas Golf Day. Oh, and, was that right? And, okay. the, and the John Hartson Golf <laughs> Day. And the John <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. It's outrageous. Um, Hugh, what would you like to say? Uh, just really obviously speak to the guys in regards to Motherwell. Um, I know Mother were too short of signings in the last window there because I was speaking to Alan Burroughs about it. Um, and I know they've tried to get another two in. And just to see if you think if we actually need any more in and what sort of areas we're needing, because I think Saturday's going to be a massive game uh, to, to actually measure ourselves as to where we can actually push to. Um, I, I think that's going to be the measurement. If we play like we did against Ross County, we will suffer. Because I think we actually only played 15 minutes on Saturday and the rest of the game we, we struggled to get through it. But again, we got the points really tough with that. So just to see what you think, because um, I think we could push a lot further than what a lot of fans are expecting us to do this year. Craigs? Well, uh, I watched the Ross County game on Saturday and I thought Ross County were better than Motherwell. But under Graham Alexander, they found a system and a setup that works for them, Rob. You know, you, you covered them against Aberdeen. I think against Aberdeen, they had 35% possession, yet won 2-0. Yeah. So they're the type of team that are comfortable or as comfortable without the ball as they are with it. Uh, the one thing that would slightly worry me maybe is a, a creative midfield player. You know, Mark O'Hara and, and uh, Liam Grimshaw and Callum Slattery, hard-working break play-up. Slattery's done quite well. But maybe just a little link player between the midfield mm -hmm. and the forwards when you come up against the team who are... Uh, maybe hard to play against or you know struggle to break down. The front three work ever so hard. They're a threat. You can throw the ball up in the air to them. They can win headers. They can take it in. They're quite happy to stretch the game. Again, possibly lack a little bit of flair. I know Kevin Van Veen's got lots of tricks in his locker, but he's not an out-and-out -out winger who wants to you know uh, glide by players. Jordan Roberts is possibly the one who could do that. and He's mm -hmm. got himself fit and he's now in and about. So they're certainly in a good place. Physically, they're a strong and imposing team. So it'll be interesting to see at the weekend for them and for Hearts. Mentally, who can cope with the challenge of going top of the table? 
you know, these chances don't present themselves very often at a club like Motherwell after seven or eight games. Hearts probably a little bit more expectant, but who can really go and grab the game by the scruff of the neck? You know, make a statement and say, well, we've won, we're going top of the table and we're looking good. So uh, I expect Hearts probably to be the more dominant team at the weekend and and, and have the ball at home. They're tank has, so they expect that, but Motherwell have a resilience about them and they've got something that works and a system that works and something that players trust and believe in. So uh, it's all set up to be a cracker. Hugh, I saw some uh, reaction today on the back of the Scotland squad being named and, and quite a lot of people saying, what about Tony Watt? Um, wh- wh- are you in that camp? Do, do you think Tony is knocking on the door of, of getting into the Scotland squad? Hey, why not, Rob? Because at the end of the day, Craig's obviously seen it. A few of you obviously have covered him in Aberdeen. He puts in some shift. He works his backside off. Uh, he never stops running. The effort he puts in against Aberdeen, him and Scott Brown were each up each other's yeah. it's actually quite funny to watch yeah. it was quite funny to watch at times um, but his effort he puts in his attitude I think he's actually now settled in a club where he's enjoying it whereas previous years he was a journeyman couldn't get settled uh, I think that's what the issue was with him years ago but Mullow fans love him at this moment in time can't get enough of him uh, and you can actually see he's really paying off him so why why not come into the squad even if he wants to just bring him in for a backup striker who's there yeah, definitely. It's I think, and, 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 and it's about and it's about time he delivered, isn't it? And yeah. he'll think that himself that that you know he's been a very a mm. promising player for a long, long time ever since that goal against Barcelona. Well, do you know what? Sometimes you wonder has that hindered him a little bit because people expect that and people talk about it and always go to him at it. I don't think Tony has ever scored double figures in a season in his career. I, I look back at it last year Tony will text me if I'm wrong I'm sure no doubt about it but I don't think he's ever got double figures so if you're centre forward and you're not getting double figures in your career that's why you jump about all over the place if you get yourself 12, 15, 16 goals suddenly then I think it takes you to a different level it, it propels you further up in estimations of people Rob so he's got 4 and 7 and four in his last seven games he looks like if there's going to be any season he's going to get double figures it's going to be this season but just touching on the Scotland thing the one thing we know about Steve Clark, he doesn't just bring players in no. you know he likes that consistency he likes players who've been there and done it he won't do it just because someone's had a good month he'll do it if you've had a good five or six months so if Tony's still scoring goals this time next month then suddenly he may come into reckoning for the November games. If not, then if he continues over Christmas, then suddenly March could be the one for him. Yeah, in fact, here is Stevie Clark uh, speaking about the forwards in the squad and justifying his selection. Let's have a quick listen. Now, at this moment in time, I'm happy with the, the forwards I've got in the squad. Uh, I've shown consistently over the over my time as head coach that I want to have a consistency to the squad. I want to have uh, a familiarity around the group. And I'm happy with the the squad that we had last month uh, I thought we did well the forwards were good and happy to run with the same again It's Adams, Christie, Dykes Fraser and Nisbet who are listed uh, as the five forwards in the squad um, but it's great that Tony Watts having his yeah. name even put forward John isn't it? it it shows how far he's come Definitely and it, you know, it was, only, there was, it was only eight years ago he was at Celtic and he scored seven goals in 25 appearances he's much travelled he's had so many different loan deals I'm just looking Charlton, Cardiff, Blackburn, decent clubs, these these clubs, CSK Sofia in in Bulgaria. And I think who made the point now he, he's almost found he has to make this now his home. Mm. You know, I'm sure he seems happy there, doesn't he? Yeah, he has to make it his home. He'll play and, and all, all you want to do as a centre forward is give the manager a headache, score goals, make goals. I've watched him and his work rate is terrific. He does work hard uh, along that front line. So delighted for him because as you say Although he went and played for decent clubs, he was in the wilderness for a while. So 
I'm sure he'll be delighted. And if you're happy in your own skin and you're happy around your players, that makes you go and play better as well. Confidence is everything in the player. You've got to be happy, Hugh, with Graham Alexander and the job he's currently doing. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you go and look at his record last year, out, out with the old firm managers, he was the best manager for a win rate, and it wasn't even his squad. And you can see the progression he's actually brought through at this moment in time with bringing in, obviously, the players he knows. Uh, Craig's obviously been on there about the midfield. Definitely need a creative midfielder. And I think that was the one we missed out on just in the, the window there. Hopefully we'll get that in January. But Callum Slattery is an outstanding midfielder. The, the work rate he puts in, the shift he puts in, the goal at the weekend. I, mean, yeah. I think that topped it off for him. I think he was, he was quite surprised himself with that. Sean, uh, Goss, is a, yeah, I think that's, Sean Goss is another sorry, one. I'm saying Sean Goss is another one who, who's technically a very good footballer. You know, it's just about getting him fit and getting him into the team. He's the one that's got that that killer pass, the one who wants to break the lines and look for the little delicate passes in behind. Because when you think about it, you know, the three forward players, none of them are natural wingers. I know they end up in the wings at times. I think they all like to be going through the middle. So you can imagine the kind of mayhem they would cause if there was, you know, a winger or a creative midfield player feeding them even more. You know, that would suddenly take their yeah. numbers even higher. The recruitment's been yeah, great, hasn't yeah. it? Because I, I went along to that game, Hugh, the, the, the Aberdeen game, and I, and I looked at the Motherwell team and subs, and there were just so many, uh, as far as I was concerned, new names, guys that had just very recently been signed. And I thought, how's this all going to come together? And the answer was it, it came together really well. And obviously since then, uh, onwards and upwards for, for Motherwell, uh, there's, there's a real momentum, isn't there, at the moment? Well, definitely. I think everybody knows, obviously, two guys in the studio as well, like, Confidence, every time you win the game, it's more confidence, you get more yep. confidence. And you go, into, you go into the game thinking you're going to win it. Yeah, I'm going to score here, strikers, I'm going to score. You're going to get a clean sheet with a defender or a goalkeeper. And you go and look at Liam Kelly at the back. He's probably the best goalkeeper we've had since Randolph. Um, and we've had some keepers in between then. But Randolph was outstanding and Liam Kelly, I think, is, is going to, he's, I think he's going to beat his clean sheet record. Definitely beat it. And Randolph actually set a decent one of that, especially for a team like Mullow. But yeah, more than happy with the team at the moment, this moment in time. Hopefully it can keep progressing. Big game on Saturday. And I think the boys will obviously push it. So hopefully we'll get something out of Saturday anyway. It's a belter, that, isn't it? Hearts against Motherwell. Mm. It is. You know, I'd imagine Motherwell will take a good Southern support through. The, the Hearts fans will be out in big numbers because they're feeling good. They're in a good place. When you consider this time last year, Hearts were not struggling in the championship. Of course, they weren't struggling, but the fans weren't happy with the system and the setup and the style of play. Robbie's really rejuvenated them, proved a lot of people wrong. So Motherwell will go in there full of confidence, Hearts full of confidence. And I think it's going to be feisty, which is quite good. Tancastle is always a feisty place to go and play. I used to love playing there. Brilliant. Hugh, thanks for your call. Thanks, Take care, Cheers, 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 All the best. Uh, Hugh talking there about, about Liam Kelly, um, and he is in the Scotland squad name today. I must admit, I'm a little bit surprised uh, John McLaughlin back in. I'm not, I'm not, it's not that I'm surprised that John McLaughlin is back in the squad. I'm a bit surprised that Xander Clark has been left out. Mm. I mean, he, he, obviously Craig Gordon played all three games in the last squad. Xander was part of it, um, having done unbelievably well with St Johnston. Um, why would he not be in it this time, Craigs? Well, the word that Steve Clark used was consistency and familiarity around the squad. John McLaughlin's been with the squad the last two or three years. He was at the Euros with them. Uh, he's played four of Rangers' last seven games. So he's back into the team again since the last uh, camp that they had. So that, that tells you all about Steve Clark that you need to know. That anybody who he trusts and knows 
and understands nothing against Xander Clark. I think it's just he's just whetted the appetite of Xander Clark to say here's a little opportunity. This is what it's all about. But if John McLaughlin comes back, I'm guessing it was between Liam Kelly and, and Xander Clark with regards to what he wanted to do or who he wanted to bring in as a third choice goalkeeper. My th- thought would have been could you just brought four goalkeepers? Just allowed him to train mm-hmm. and get you know and feel for it because you'd think longer term Xander Clark's going to be around longer than Craig Gordon and John McLaughlin with regards to age. So I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't evolved him, but Steve will have his own reasons. <clears throat> Scott McTominay uh, back in the squad uh, from Manchester United. Now he's back playing for his club. Callum McGregor named today, despite the fact he's not playing at the moment for Celtic. Hopefully he will be back soon. Uh, Stuart Armstrong, the same. Not been playing with Southampton, but obviously Stevie Clark knows enough uh, to be able to pick him in his squad. Two massive matches coming up. Away to the Faroes, but the big one is the first one and that is a week on Saturday Scotland Israel at Full House Hamden The Go Radio Football Show Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five Well we've had Hugh and Jamie with us already on the show joining the football chat with us John Hartson Stephen Craig and Rob McLean 0808 17 17 700 you can text go in your message to 87474 and on the socials at Go Football Show we're always very happy to hear from you and you decide in which direction the the football conversation goes. A couple of big matches coming up for Scotland, of course, just around the corner. And the squad was named today. It's Scotland against Israel at Hamden a week on Saturday. It's a 5pm kickoff, followed by the Pharaohs in Torshavn. And that is the following Tuesday at 7.45. Two matches of massive significance. It's the same significance as the, the game against Moldova, the game against Austria in the, the last camp. The, the next two games are, are big in the context of trying to get the second place in the group. So Israel first will be a, it'll be a tight game, I would imagine. We've we played them quite a lot recently. Uh, we know each other well. So hopefully a good game. Great to see the tickets have sold out for the for the game. Full house at Hamden will be... It'll be my first experience of being head coach with a full house here, so I'm looking forward to that. I think the last few years have been pretty strange for everybody. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit different. <coughs> Obviously, we didn't quite manage to fill them out when the crowds were coming in when I first took over. I think the fact now that we're, we're able to sell out a game tells you that the, the Scottish public certainly are, are engaging with this team, the squad of players. I, I said the last time that I love my players. I love what they do for the country. I love the way they... They approach the games, they, they try to be successful. And I think the fact that we've got a full house for, for this game, and I believe the, the Denmark game sold out as well, so that shows that the players are doing something right. And John Hartson, I love the fact that he says he loves the players. And he means it. Yeah. He means it, yeah. because he does, he's very passionate. Um, the Austria result away from home was massive in terms of the performance and actually getting the win. Not many teams in the last four or five years, I think they've lost four um, Austria at home, you know, in Vienna, uh-huh. very, very strong. So to have gone there, not only the win was important, and I, I keep emphasizing winning takes care of everything. It's got them back in the group, beating Austria, beating Moldova. Now they can't afford any poor performances. All the big hitters are back, if you like. I remember when I was playing for Wales, Rob, right? International football. If we had Ryan Giggs, if we had Gary Speed, if we had Neville Southall, if, if, if we had our big players, Bellamy, Right, we felt good about ourselves, and that's what Scotland have got right now. They've got their big players on board. You know, he's able to pick his best players. Okay, Callum McGregor, he was outstanding in the Euros, but he's in the squad. Maybe, maybe he won't. But saying that, 
if he plays for Celtic yeah. on Sunday against yeah. Aberdeen, you know, he might miss this Thursday, he might come a bit early for him. But that's all you want. As an international manager, you want your big players that, you know, Robertson, Teeny, Dykes, who's got himself goals of late. This is what you want. And uh, they'd be feeling really good about themselves. So they, now they've got to take care of Israel and then not go to the Faroe Islands and not perform and make that a game in which everybody expects Scotland to beat the Faroes. They've got to make sure now they take care of business. And as you say, Denmark are the strongest team. They'll probably top the group. Mm. Um, there's no surprise there. Um, Scotland are playing for second place and, and, and that playoff spot. It is great, isn't it, to, to, to be in the position that Scotland are after that game in Vienna, Crags, and then to, to, to have... Stuart Armstrong back in the squad, who you know is a player that Stevie Clark likes a lot, and to have him involved gives just that little extra dimension that that he can bring. But Scott McTominay is massive for Scotland, isn't it? To to be in the position yeah. we're in, this home game in front of a sellout crowd at Hampden, um, and he, and he's back to strengthen things even further. It depends where he plays. Yeah, you know, do you play him in midfield again, or do you put him back at centre half where? I thought he had a, an excellent game against England at Wembley. Or do you uh, play Jack Hendry there? Yeah, well, that's the issue then. You put him in midfield, then you have to leave out one of your midfield players. It depends if Callum McGregor is fully fit for the for the first game because he missed a few weeks for Celtic. So it's kind of hard borrowing someone's player when they've not played for their club and then suddenly you're putting them through the international action. So Does but, Scott McTominay qualify under the Robertson-Tierney argument? That, that you know, he plays, that, but it's just getting yeah, the position. Yeah, exactly. I think so. You've got to get him yeah. in the team. I just think he has attributes that you know, his fitness-wise and aggression and, and determination, all the stuff that he, you know, he, he can excel in so many positions. I think he has to play. You have to get him into the team somewhere. You know, Scotland aren't you know uh, blessed with players from Manchester United. So when you get Andy Robertson at Liverpool and Kieran Tierney at, at Arsenal and Scott McTominay at Man United, you think they have to play. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think Steve Clark has done that. He's got him into the team somewhere. You know, he eventually got a system that suited Andy Robertson and Kieran Tierney. So it's international football thinks slightly different than club. You get your best players and you think, what's a system where we can get them in? Mm -hmm. And it can make it grow. If it doesn't work, then of course you have to adjust it. And he did the end, put him from midfield back in the centre half and put someone else in midfield. So I think he'll always find a place for him. But it's great to hear that the stadium's going to be full, the fans are back behind the national team. Uh, Steve Clark has had his critics over the years but you, you have to say slowly but surely he's building and building the fact that he talks about his love for the players I mean I can't imagine Steve Clark tells many people he loves them so he actually do it publicly <laughs> you, you mean apart from Mrs Clark well probably yes yeah, of you know, so, well certainly publicly anyway he doesn't yeah. tell too many people so I think that shows his real affection for his country and for his players and the trust they have in one another and, and the togetherness and do you know what sometimes that three or four weeks they had together over the Euros might not have been as successful as what they would hope for but it builds relationships and even stronger relationships than what yeah. they had. They get they know each other a little <clears throat> bit yeah. more. And I think that's going to, going to stand them in good stead for the next few years. That togetherness is everything at international football because you only come together, what, three or four times a year. All right, if you get to major tournaments, you get more games, of course. But I think a lot of countries, you know, you look at the Italian team that won the Euros, there was a real togetherness. Mm. You know, Wales are built together stronger you know, in terms of the, the two Euros of the past and everything else. And and these players, you know, they, they all know each other, but they all play for different clubs. Mm. But when they come together, that bond... You want that club mentality, don't you? ...has to be strong, you yeah. know, as a, as a bond. And, yeah. you know, and that's when you get the, the best performances. But they've got some really good players. I'm just looking at the squad. Mm. John McGinn's a terrific player. Um, you know, we mentioned Andy Robertson on that left-hand side. You can play Robertson and Teeny in the same team. Mm -hmm. 
Stuart Armstrong has been good when he's coming. Yep. You know, he really... He brings something a little bit he different. He does, yeah. And of course, you know, I would imagine Craig Gordon would be the number one. Yes. He'd probably start the game. So, Scotland, of course, we talked about Jack Hendry who come in of mm. late, mm. been playing in Belgium, but he's come in and he's he's almost made it. He must play now because mm-hmm. he performed so well. Yeah. During the international football, there's not a lot of training goes on. They may have a little bit more this time yeah. because they'll meet on the Sunday and they don't play to the following Saturday. Whereas you think the last time they met on the Sunday and played on the Wednesday yeah. and they would have had to travel on the Tuesday. So they maybe only had one full training session. Sunday would have been a recovery day. If some of the guys played on the Sunday, Monday was a recovery. So when you turn up in international football, what Scotland have got is a clear identity that when the players, the minute they finish the club game on the Saturday or the Sunday before internationals, they think Scotland, 3-5-2, 3-5-1-1, whatever it may be, we know the system, we know the setup, we know what the training's going to be, we know the tactics, we know our set plays, we want to be tweaked now in the game because Austin McPhee's came in. So that's the mentality switch on right away as opposed to turn up and thinking... Who's in the squad? Who's going to call off? What system will we play? What's the manager like? You know, all that kind mm. of thing, Rob. Yeah. That's what brings it all yeah. together. And that's what allows him to go and be successful. Scotland, individuals, good. Some top-class ones, but even better when they're stronger as a unit and fighting and driving and pushing the one direction. That's what makes them different They need than to deliver else. now, though. They need to deliver. On yeah, the, yeah. On, on the back of last month. Exactly. They, they need to deliver. Yeah. They need to yeah. beat Israel in front of a full yeah. crowd. Everything is set up. All the all the best players are back, available. Steve Clark has told him he loves them all. Yeah. So it's important now the players deliver and deliver them points because they want to get that second spot. Have, have many managers told you that they loved you? Plenty. Yeah? Plenty, Rob. But, yeah. if we're, but we're, if we are seriously talking about that, that really close bond that has developed between Stevie Clark and the players, and 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 it's great that he just he he says that now. He said it after the Austria game. He said it again today. You, yeah. you know, who, who's the which manager have you maybe been Martin. closest to in your career? Remember, I failed four medicals before coming to Sydney. I owe, I owe Martin only my career. I couldn't pass a medical. I failed a medical at Spurs for seven million. I failed a medical at Charlton for five million. Alan Kirbishley. Failed a medical first time around at um, at Coventry, and then I failed a medical for six million pounds. Got and when I nearly went to Rangers, Martin O'Neill took a chance. I came back with over a hundred goals for him, over two hundred and forty games. Never ever put a packet of ice on my knee. If it wasn't for Martin and believing in me and giving me that opportunity, I don't know where I'd have ended up. So there was there was often many a times I played. I was with him last week at Turnbury. I was off. I get on so much better with him now than as a player doesn't quite let you in as a player you know but now so he wouldn't have told you he loved you I mean I know I know he, he was the most important he'd have been manager he'd with me at yeah. times he'd have yeah. been unhappy with me as well at times of course it, was, it wasn't always rosy mm. we lost a few games and I'd have come across being sloppy missed chances listen he was very honest with me and the fact that he picked me and I was in his team that was a privilege mm. so I've got into that team you know to play alongside Larson up top Chris dropping back into midfield, Lennon, Petrov, Lambert, Thompson. You know, to have been part of that team mm-hmm. for five years and to have been a regular player in that team, that meant everything to me because it meant the manager trusted me. Who's the manager that you loved mm. most, Craggs, well, you know, be it at, at club level or be it at international? It's probably a love-hate relationship with Terry Butcher because Terry was so emotionally all over the place when, when you won... Terry loved everybody, hugged everybody, told them they were great, see you Monday morning. <laughs> you lost the following week, everybody was rubbish, didn't want to see you, you might never play for him again. Then you win the next one and he's back up again. So it was fine at the start because you could deal with that emotional roller coaster. but as you started to get older, you started to think, you know what's coming? And it kind of affected, not that it didn't affect the relationship, uh, but, but it became a bit 
boring after a while, just because you knew he was high or low. There was no mm. in between. It was either all in or all out with Terry. You know, so uh, a really good relationship with him. And then I've done some media work with him over the past, and he's great. He always gives you a hug and welcomes you back as if you're a long lost son from him. You know, so mm. you always get that. John's probably right. You probably get on with managers better sometimes when you're a little bit older because they have to show they're the boss. They wanted to lead. Craig Brown was a great man manager. Craig was brilliant. You know, I was early 30s at the time, so Craig would quite happily let you have a Monday off training and have a recovery. Or if the boys were doing 10 runs, you'd do six. Just to try and keep everybody involved. Just to, that man management side of wanting to look after older players, knowing that older players would then look after the dressing room for him and making sure everybody was pushing in the one direction. So Craig had a touch of class about him in that respect. Martin O'Neill right, said to me once, because I've had some big compliments off managers and I've had some other compliments not so good. <laughs> Martin O'Neill said to me once, he says, John, you're the best six million pounds I've spent of anybody's money. Right. Best pound for pound, you know? Mm-hmm. When, I was at, when I was at West Ham, Harry Redknapp said to me once, he says, John, he said, you remind me of the great Jeff Hurst. I went, what, Jeff Hurst? He said, my mate Jeff good in the air, he said, bring people in. The only man ever to have scored a hat-trick in the World Cup final. When I went to West Brom, Tory Mowbray came in, he said, John, you're the only centre-forward I've ever worked with that puts weight on during the game. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely so, super. So that wasn't quite as yeah. common. Yeah. No, exactly. Anyway, Stevie Clark <laughs> loves his players. Uh, he told them after the game in Vienna, he told them again, uh, today it's a really tight bond and uh, it's a good looking squad as well for two massive matches can Scotland uh, put another three points on the board at home to Israel a week on Saturday The Go Radio Football Show Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five For a Tuesday of course we're still looking back on the Premiership weekend more drop points for Celtic uh, they are now six behind Rangers with only seven games played we're looking ahead to big matches for both of them in the Europa League on Thursday it is 5.45 in Prague for Rangers it's 8 o'clock in the east end of Glasgow for Celtic against the team second top in the Bundesliga at the moment just behind Bayern and that is Bayer Leverkusen we're talking Scotland squad of course as well, and uh, Stevie Clark naming his group today for those two massive upcoming games. Uh, full house for Scotland against Israel week on Saturday, and I gather it's a full house for the game next month as well against Denmark at the National Stadium. So it's uh, great that Scotland are getting that sort of response. Hopefully they get the right uh, appropriate results as well, and we can stay on track for World Cup qualification. So Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen, and John Hartson on the show, and we've got Frank in Mary Hill as well. Hi, Frank. Hey, can you hear me all right? Hi, Frank. Try again. Can you hear me all right? Yes, we've got you, Frank. How are you? Right, I'm fine. I just, I don't know if you can hear me all right, because I've, I've kind of pulled over here. Um. Anyway, yeah, uh, good evening, John. Hi, Frank. Hey, Stephen and, and, and Rob. Nice so, to have yeah, you on the show I, again. This is, this is getting, I know, this is getting like a week left Collins. But anyway, the point, the point is, I'm going to steer, steer clear of Celtic, which I, I don't want. I'll gladly talk all night about Celtic and, and my, what, what my feelings are. Um, but I'd like to ask a question. I've always, a question I've always wanted to ask professionals um, who've been in an experienced game and all that. Um, and it's one that I've asked a number of prof- a couple a couple of pros, but um, not of huge standing. But people have played the game professionally, coaches, etc. Well, we've got two of huge no standing has... in the studio, Frank. <laughs> well, I yes, there you go, there you go. Uh, 
And you're not one of them, Rob. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm the <laughs> no, old man. Right? Good answer, Frank. Just Good to answer. Clarify. Just to clarify. Uh, that. Didn't need clarification, um, but thanks anyway. Uh, just to rub it in then, okay. Um, basically, Rob, uh, guys, um, uh, no, no, none of the people I've ever asked have ever come up with, a, 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 to me, a, a convincing answer. And that is quite a simple question. Why do professional football teams play a, or approach a game differently away from home than they do the home games? I have never, ever figured that out, why they change. And I, I always look at my own team, Celtic. And even when we were playing well, you could say the odd, the odd game they don't. Uh, that, you know, but I'm talking about bigger up, but not huge opposition, but maybe your Aberdeens and your Aberdeen and you know that kind of level of team. They seem to go with a different mentality into these games. At home, Celtic have always played front foot, go for it, first minute. Team other team goes in the back foot because Celtic. I think I don't buy into the crowds thing. I don't buy into uh, any other argument because, quite simply. Why should you change the way you naturally play simply because you're playing in a different city or a different part of the same city? Although I'm not sure Ange Postacoglu knows any other way to play John Hartson with Celtic at the moment. Can can I answer this, Frank? Oh, please, John. Okay. I I think in the Martin O'Neill era, we never changed. Home and away, never changed. Didn't matter if it was going to Ibrox. The system never changed because we were a fantastic side and you had very, very good players who knew how to play at home and play away. We played the same way. And Martin was confident we could win every single game against any opposition. In Europe, we played the same style. We played 3-5-2. Played with wing-backs. We played with a, a three-midfield. I can just say Lenny generally sat a Lambert and a Petrov were players that could go and get you a goal and they would almost um, be telepathic in which one just stayed in the middle, which one went and gambled off the front. When you've got teams that have not got top players, like, for instance, uh, now, Celtic are not a team with top, top players. They've got some outstanding players, but they're a different team altogether. I just feel when you go away from home, and the opposition are fairly strong. I think that you make a contingency plan to fill um, and to fill the midfield. You make allowances for the opposition because they are good on the ball at home when they've got confident in front of their own crowds. And I think you can change. You can go one up top. A lot of, lot of teams do that. When they go away from home, they go safety. They play. They play with the, with a back four. They play with two holding midfield players and they go safe before they tend to go forward and try and get goals. Not saying that's particularly Celtic at the minute, but I just think teams go away from home and the first thing they think is, let's get a result today. Maybe not let's get a win, let's get a result today. And that's why they may well change from going their natural at home where I do believe, Frank, I disagreed when you said the crowd don't make a difference because crowds push you on at home. But with Celtic, they, they, they used to fill up every single stadium anyway. So it was almost like having a home game, playing away from home. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to say in terms of teams will think about getting results and they'll fill the midfield 
and they'll, they'll, they'll try and stop the opposition rather than concentrating on hurting the opposition away from home. I don't know whether Craig's agrees with that or he'll come in now and have his own opinion. Yeah, what's your feeling on what Frank's asking, I just uh, think Craig's? It depends who you are. If you're Celtic and you're playing domestically, you should never change. Home or away, you should never change because you're the best, or one of the best two teams in the country. So you shouldn't have to change your style of play. Uh, what, comes in, what comes into consideration is when you go and play in Europe and you maybe play against the bigger side. You know, Brendan Rodgers could criticise for not changing the style of play. They lost seven against Paris Saint-Germain away. They lose six or seven against Barcelona. So that's maybe a little bit naive to think that my, our, our players or my players as a manager can go and cope with those players when you think maybe they can't because they're better opposition than St Johnston away and Motherwell away and, 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 and Ross County away. Much different levels. So sometimes you have to. But the things you come into consideration is the opposition, the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition. That's why managers change. Uh, the fans in the atmosphere, I completely agree with John. Because Celtic Park has always been one of those places where it inspires the home team. It inspires them to sometimes get to levels and win games they shouldn't be winning. You only have to look at the Barcelona game. We spoke about Tony Watt earlier on. Celtic had no right to win that game. Not saying they didn't, well, they clearly didn't have as good of players as Barcelona, but they found a way to win. The fans carried them through and took them on. Form of both teams ahead of the game. There's no point in saying, well, we'll go away from home and play a certain way when we've lost four games in a row and the confidence is low. So you have to try and have a setup and a system that suits your players. The tactics of the manager, he might say, I want to change it round about. Uh, and also, you, you may have to set up differently to guard against a certain player from an opposition team like a Messi or a Neymar who's better in, in certain situations. So to go and play the same way in every game is a risk because somewhere along the line you'll meet better teams. But to have the same ethos and, and, and the continuity of selection, whatever helps, but adjusting, sitting deeper, playing the counter-attack, I think it's all part of football. And Frank, you're happy uh, that Ange Postacoglu sticks with his policy. It's front foot football, uh, home and away, whatever he is, even though you get the sort of result that Celtic got in Seville um, 10 days ago, where you're two up and suddenly you're 4-2 down. 100%, Rob, you know me, and if you've listened to me last week... I was listening to you. Yeah, 100%. And... I can go into this whole. I'd love. To, I'd. I'd love to talk for areas about this whole approach we have, and you know, a hundred percent. When you go down a particular avenue of how you want to play football as a team or as a club, you you must either, you know, you must see it through. You must have the courage to see it through. Now that is a difficult thing to do, because. You're, in order to change the whole mentality of how you play amongst the players and even with the support, you have to see it all the way. You're going to have a rough ride to start with. I can give you an example, a couple of excellent examples, if you don't mind me saying, in history. And we have to look at history. In order to learn and move with confidence, you have to look back at similar situations and see how they transpired. Let me give you the, the example. Well, just just of, before Frank, just before you go into history, yeah. let let me just on what you were saying there. You think about that game in Seville uh, ten days ago. Celtic two up. Now maybe Celtic at the moment aren't good enough to stiffen that team at that stage and try and hold on to what you've got rather than continuing to go for it, try to get more goals. Suddenly conceding conceding four, and as a result of that, Celtic. John, would you agree with me that Celtic are? Even after one game in the Europa League, they're under a bit of pressure now against the second best team in the Bundesliga this Thursday night to try to keep on track to get out of the group in the Europa. Yeah, but and also um, they'll they'll play four at the back. 
and they'll play four three three. Um What's that got to, what's that got to do who who'll play it for at the back? Uh Ange. I thought about uh, with regards to trying to change. Get, uh, that's I what I'm saying, yeah. he won't change. But I was just gonna ask Frank in terms of Frank, how long then if you're conceding goals like we conceded four against Betis, we conceded one against Livingston, we conceded one at the weekend. Celtic fans want to win the league, Frank. They want to win the league this season. So if you're if you're leaking goals, how long then do you keep playing the same way um, without fans bored? Because, because keep, John, yeah, but how long do you give? How long do you give this manager then, Frank? If we finish second this season and concede sixty goals, do you still stick with the way that we go? Because the fans won't be happy. Because the fans want to win the league. But John, yeah, a club has a club when it changes direction and how it wants to play has to. I'm sorry, it has to dismiss the loud noises coming from the terracing. Because if that's the case, you would change every single week. What you have to have is a clear, unambiguous, straight vision of where you want to be. Not today, not next month, not even the end of the season. Where do you want to be in a couple of seasons? And this is the this is this is the bullet that has to be. You've got to bite this bullet here, and this is the crux of the whole thing about Ange. We either go for it, and you become better and better at what you do. Listen, Celtic fans that think we're going to win the league, yes, we all want to win the league for various reasons. We want to win the league this season, especially with the big car at the end of it, mm. but. This is the whole crux of what I'm talking about and I was talked about last last week. Mm. You either have a vision that's going to see your club, not just for the next season or the next two seasons, but a plan that's going to get put in place that's going to see you play a brand of football that is going to be wonderful to watch, beautiful to watch. Mm. Now, if you, if you go down that road, that isn't going to happen in one season, trust me. And Celtic fans have to get a wake-up call here and get a reality check. It ain't going to happen. For various reasons as well, in the particular situation that Celtic find themselves in, Celtic started the, the, the league campaign or the, the season with 28 outfield players, out with the goalkeepers, 28 in a squad of outfield players. We now have 18 to pick for duty injuries. Now, of those 18, a number of them have hardly kicked the ball for Celtic. They're kids. Yep. Now, when, when, these things have to be taken into the equation. Mm. I've, already, I've already said that. Yeah. yeah, but Celtic could yeah, assign more players yeah. in the in the, in no, the transfer no, window, no, couldn't no, they? Frank, Frank, Frank Dundee United, Frank Dundee United Rob. at the weekend at a 16-year-old centre-half. He didn't hear Thomas Courts before the game saying, well, do you know what? See, if I had, a, I had Charlie McGrew fit and if I had Mark McNulty, I wouldn't play this and I wouldn't do that. What Thomas Courts had to do was find a way to get his players to play in, and that's the key as a manager. Sometimes it's a system. To, it's, it's a system to suit the players, you know, yes, but, because but, but the players aren't always but, the best. But it's not, but, but it's but Stephen, with the greatest respect, we're talking what, what Celtic under Ange are, are embarking on here, and what we're embarking on isn't to scramble at the end of the season and scramble and hopefully grab a league. If you'd sat Ange Postecoglou in the new, he would not even look at you if you come up with that scenario. But what sometimes you have to adjust. Sense? Sometimes you have no, to you adjust know, you in don't games. Have to, no, you have to adjust. Yeah, you have to Absolutely. adjust, even If you don't have the courage to, to see through what is a very 
going to be a, a difficult and long road. That's when you have to adjust, when you buckle and when you cave in and you don't have the courage to see the defeats and accept the defeats along the way. Because when you're trying to set up a new way of playing, you're automatically going to have ups and down results. Nothing. It's not going to be a smooth graph from bottom left up to top right, straight line. Frank, I, I, I totally, steps. I totally get what you're saying in terms of Angers positivity, needing time, sticking to a ways, sticking to a system, entertaining football, wanting to outscore the opposition. Mm-hmm. But to do that. How long do you give the manager? This guy can't have three years in the job um, playing this way without the board adding better players to play this particular way. Because as we stand right now, we're going to get many defeats and we're going to get many wins because we simply cannot defend. So do you you bring in better players, better quality of player? Yeah, John. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. Mm. What I, I, I don't know how to put this quite plainer. And I'll tell you whether Celtic have missed a trick here. Mm. Because the time to do what I'm going to say now was three months ago when Ange first came in the door. Because I believe Celtic brought Ange Postacoglu in for what I keep, I keep harping on about. To, to give us, if you like, total football. The, the pure attack, attack, attack. Now, yeah, that but they, they wanted Eddie Howe, though, didn't they? Wanted Eddie no, Howe. No, no, but we, we don't, we don't know, we don't know what the plan was with Eddie Howe because that, no point in talking in, in, in a airy fairy Rob. We don't know what the so put him in the put him in bed. What were they hanging about for then? Why why did they not get Ange Postecoglou six months before they actually did sign him if he was the man for Who them? Who knows, Rob? Rob, see see the why didn't in these questions? It's totally futile. It wastes time because we'll never know. Let's talk to the facts, Rob. The fact is, we've got Ange Postecoglou, a man who's Whole career, whole career is about playing attack and entertaining football. So Celtic have brought this scenario to the table. What Celtic should have done, and I've said this, and Andy knows what says, I've said this for 30 years. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I did 30 years ago. I wrote to Celtic. I wrote to the Celtic chairman at the time. I can't remember if it was Farrell or if it was John McGinn, uh, Jack McGinn or whoever it was. I can't remember. It's a, it's a material. I wrote then and I said, we have to. Because at the time, it was Billy McNeil who was in charge. God, God rest Billy. We'd mm. won the double uh, in our centenary season, 88. But yeah. when we got to 1991, the football was pretty dire. It, it, was, it, was, it was completely rudderless. And Billy would admit that himself. The, the, the team was, was in disarray. And I said at that time, why don't we? And I, just, I wrote a letter. I'm sorry for boring you here. No, you're uh, not boring. But I wrote a letter saying, why don't we strip everything clear and say to the fans, have a press conference, say to the fans, for the next two or three years, forget about winning anything. We're going to go down a road that's going to bring us football and a young team who in two or three years, maybe even four years, is going to not just last for three or four years, but last. The conveyor belt will start from under 10s right through, and it will start and it will continue for 10, 20 years. And when you embark on something like that, you have to give the fans, this is what the problem is, you see. The f- fans get annoyed and fans even get angry and really irate when they feel the people at the top don't have a vision, a clear, concise vision. And when they don't tell the fans what that vision is. 
And Celtic three months ago should have sat down at the press conference and said, guys, we've got 55,000 season ticket holders last season. What we're going to embark upon, you might not like to watch at the start. The, it's going to have so many ups and downs. Frank, they're also going to get angry if the, the, the Celtic fans are also going to get angry if they're not winning games, if they're not competing for they, the yeah, title, yeah, if they're but, not winning but, trophies. But, but Rob, but Rob, Rob the, the crux of the matter here is they're getting angry if they're not winning games if they don't know what's, what's the general thrust. So, what, what what's, what's, Frank, you, you've seen what, what is Ange trying to do then? What is Ange trying to do with this group uh, of players think, that he's got? Just, just briefly, it's Frank, because we're heading for a break. Just briefly, if you could. Okay, I'm so sorry. No, no, you're fine. I, I, I don't see. This is what I said last week, mm. and and I'll start. It's, this isn't about this group of players. Ange has inherited a group of players. But we have if, to work. If, if, from... wave, if Ange could wave a magic wand tomorrow, he would have probably about seventy percent of the different players in that squad. He has what he has, and that's why I said last week it's going to take three or four windows before Ange gets the squad he wants. Three or four windows, no less. Yeah. Minimum three or four. And you would, and you would take no, you would take no success. You would take no trophies in that time just to have the right quality of football on the pitch. Without a hundred percent, and I'd love to give you the example of a particular club who did exactly what I'm, uh, what I'm proposing here. Exactly the same. Well, why don't we? Why don't we do that next? Why don't we do that next Tuesday, Frank? When you when we get you back on? We will. Are you going to say Liverpool, get, Frank? Are you going to say Liverpool? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to. I'm, no, I'm not. Well, you could you could what, throw in Liverpool, yeah. Yeah. But I, the, the club, the club I'm talking about is, for this particular club is Barcelona. Now, I'm not talking about the Messi era. I'm going back to 1988. In 1988, Barcelona were in disarray, complete disarray. They'd won one, I think, one league title in 14 years. Yeah, but then Iniesta, and, Xavi, and Messi came through. Three of the greatest players no, no, that we've ever seen. No, no, but this is prior to this, John. This mm. is prior. See, John, the seeds for Messi and all that were yeah. set way back before then. Frank, right. I, I well, really and, and do, Frank. I really hope that Ange gets the time and I hope he really gets the windows that you're talking about because I love Ange. I love his positivity. And I, I? And I really like him as a person. I think he knows what he wants. He's got philosophy. It is about getting the right players at the right time to, for Ange to fit into the way he wants to play. Yeah. But my concern Correct. is, my concern is, I'm getting Celtic fans on this show tonight saying we want to win the league this season. The booze hasn't started yet, Frank. The booze haven't started. I think generally the, the fans are behind Ange. But Celtic want success and they want success immediately. They can't John. allow Rangers to go and win right. the second right. title. Can, can, can I just... John, John, right. No, no, Frank, Frank just a sec. I'm going to interrupt at this stage and say that, that, that we're all hoping that Andrew gets the time. Right at the moment, we don't have the time because we're heading for a break. But Frank, we're going to get you back on again because uh, this is a, a discussion which could run and run. Thanks thanks for calling us Cheers, on the show. Frank. All the best to you. Bye, na- bye just now. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Big week of European football, isn't it, for... Uh, Rangers and Celtic on Thursday, 5.45, Sparta Prague against Rangers in the Czech Republic. And it's one of those double headers again uh, because at 8 o'clock, Celtic kick off against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, both of them, of course, lost on the opening match day of that Europa League. It's Champions League tonight and uh, tomorrow night. Some 
mouth-watering matches, no doubt about that. PSG against Manchester City is tonight at 8. RB Leipzig play Club Bruges. Jack Hendry will uh, presumably be featuring in that one. Uh, Porto at home to Liverpool and Milan play Atletico Madrid. A couple of games underway already. Early kickoffs and Ajax are 2-0 up against Besiktas. Uh, Borussia Dortmund play Sporting later. Shakhtar Donetsk nil. Inter Milan nil and Real Madrid a kick-off later against Sheriff Tiraspol. It was uh, good to have uh, Frank from uh, Maryhill on the show. Could be a Tuesday regular, uh, desperately trying to convince us and uh, the Celtic fans that um, results aren't as important as getting the, the right sort of quality of football on the pitch. John, I'm wondering, just wondering what you're thinking um, about Celtic at the moment. How, how do you feel about uh, 10 points out of 21 at this stage? If Celtic keep on going the way they're going, playing that sort of open football that can be really entertaining to watch and dangerous to, to, to play, um, that, that Celtic could, if they continue on this path, throw away any chance they have of landing the league. Yes, and... Uh... Uh, of course, um, they they won't give the league up. They won't give the league up. They still feel they can get um, they can win the league. A lot of fans think they can win the league, but what what they have to do is they have to start being more consistent, and the players need to step up and start playing better and make sure that you take care of business. You make sure you play well enough to beat Dundee United, to beat Livingston. A couple of weeks ago, Rangers drew at home, I believe it was, and then Celtic went to Livingston. If they'd won there, now Livingston then the following week, take nothing away from Davy Martindale and Livingston and the pitch, which is the excuses everybody's been making about Celtic have always struggled mm. on that pitch. But if if you if you think that Livingston lost the following week to Hearts 3-0, Hearts are a very good side, by the way, but Celtic should be beating Livingston. They should be beating Dundee United. So... Um, I think as well they've been decimated with injuries, which doesn't help. Um, they they played well in certain games. In other games, they've conceded poor goals. Defensively is my main worry. Mm. You know, you've got to start keeping clean sheets. The defenders need to get together and say, look, Craig's was just centre off. You need to keep clean sheets because you're putting a lot of pressure on your set on your on your your front players. Can't expect to score two and three goals every week to win a game of football. Sometimes when you go 1-0 up, like at the weekend against Dundee United, you, you just shut up shop. Defensively, you have a mindset that we are not going to concede today. Whereas the equaliser came within two minutes. E- equaliser came within two minutes. And then we can talk about Celtic getting the crossbar three times. We can mm. talk about Dundee, Dundee United could have had a penalty. So are you, are you worried about the way they're playing at the moment and their capability of being competitive at creating a, a title race this season yeah, if they continue that sort of open game that they played against Dundee United yeah. at the weekend I'm worried because we can't keep clean sheets we went 2-0 up in Seville last week we conceded four some of the goals were you know they, they just weren't good enough we can see that Livingston we can see that the weekend from a winning position I'm worried because when you go up to places like Aberdeen and though Aberdeen are not particularly playing well and Stephen Glass is under a little bit of pressure oh. Um, I'm worried defensively. I'm not worried when we get our players back and uh, and then we start playing with Jota and, and Abada and Kyogo and McGregor pulling the strings with Rogic. And, but defensively, we always look like we're going to concede. Mm-hmm. That's the problem uh, with Celtic because 
you won't win any games. I said, you will win games. You win lots of games. But you'll also lose the big games. When you come up against anybody of, with any quality, any striker of his salt or a decent number 10 will hurt Celtic defensively because they're, they're, they're just leaking goals. I, I like the boy Carter Vickers. I think there's a player in there. I think Starfelt is yet to convince the Celtic crowd. I don't know what's happened with Stephen Welsh. Welsh, you know, this season, he's been playing badly. I think they've had problems at full-back. Taylor got injured. Montgomery's gone out there. Juranovic has played out there when he's a natural right-back. Ralston has come into the team. Joe Hart makes good saves. I am slightly worried, but I said at the start of the season, it's a transition. And if Celtic were to go and win the league, it would be an unbelievable achievement. It really, really would. When you think about the turnaround, the manager... The, the injuries that, that they've had um, and the defensive sort of liabilities that, 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 they're, that they're showing at the minute. So mm. I do worry, but I also think uh, Rangers will have a bad spell. They'll draw a few games, they'll lose a few games. And I, I don't think Celtic are, are totally out of this league after, what, six or seven games. You can't say that. There's a long way to go. Anything how, can happen. How, how big a problem do you think it is for, for Celtic? How, you know the fact that it's three wins out of seven in the in the Premiership. Of course, thirty-one games to go. Um, it's a concern, of course it is, because it's games that they would have looked at and thought we can go and win them. Um, particularly at Celtic Park, when you look back to the the game against Hearts in the Cup, the game against Dundee and against St Mirren, when they were absolutely flying, and you thought this team are going to be hard to stop. They just look so far away from that at the minute, because see the system they're playing and the high press they want to play and the energy they have to exert. It's a lot, Rob. You're asking players to go and play a game every three days and to keep those levels high, to cover that same distance. And a lot of those players are not used to that. You know, Jota won't be used to playing a game every three days when you check his career. Ayeti certainly isn't used to playing that, certainly when he's came to Celtic, even probably at West Ham. Abad is a young man trying to make his way. David Turnbull isn't used to playing high-intensity games every three days. Tom Rogic was probably in and out in a Celtic career, very seldom. So when you're losing Scott Brown and Ryan Christie and Odson Edward and Christopher Ayer and James Forrest not fit at the minute, Callum McGregor's not in your team, those guys were battle-hardened. They knew how to play on a Sunday and play on a Thursday and play on a Sunday and play on a Thursday. They also knew how to win those games. So you have to bring that into the players also. But two things about the defence. If you're going to expose your centre-halves the way Celtic do, they've got to be good enough. And the three they have fit at the minute, I don't think are good enough to be left on a half a pitch with a man-for-man -man striker because they can get done. They're naive and they're a little bit younger and they're still learning the trade. Starfelt still hasn't got to the levels what people you know, ho hope he would get to. I, I, I don't know what his history is. I don't know how good he was. But also then, if you're going to expose your centre-halves, the centre-halves have to be vocal. They have to make sure that when the ball breaks down, they're protecting against the counter-attack. You've got to put players in positions. You've got to hold people back in front. You've got to bring players in beside you. You've got to have leaders on the pitch. And at the minute, I don't think Celtic have centre-halves who are good enough to play man-for-man -man on half a pitch against anybody, and they're not loud enough to try and get people in to help cover them. I think as well that you look at Celtic's squad and personnel. For me, I always played at Celtic in a 3-5-2. When you play three at the back, that allows you to play with two strikers or one off a striker. And I just feel if for Celtic to get that keep a clean sheet, go to Aberdeen, and, and I don't think the manager will do it, but play a three. Go be telling Frank. Play, play Welsh. <laughs> Frank, play Welsh, not listening. <laughs> but play Welsh with Carter Vickers and Starfield either side. That gives you a little bit 
more so solidity. Mm -hmm. You know, um, play Juranovic at, at right wing back. He's got he's got an engine. He's got delivery. He can get up the field. He can get back. Play um, Montgomery at left side, and then you've got the three in the middle of the park. That almost becomes a five. Right? You lose but, one of your wingers there. Abada or Jota doesn't play. No, a Jota plays off Ayeti. So, so so Abada doesn't play. So Abada doesn't he's, play. Well, you can play Abada. But he's your most prolific in the way. I know, way. I know what you mean. I, I know exactly you what, know what I mean. mean. So that's but, where but Abada's exposed defensively then when we concede in goals. Because you expect... Could you play one of them as a wing-back? 4-3-3, three, three, the wingers don't get back. No. Jota can't physically get back at, the, at this moment. He looks knackered. And without Jota and Abada right now... Mm. They're carrying, the, they're carrying yeah. the team. Their performances are on a different level. So they have to play then. The two of them have to play in those positions. That would tell me that. But I just think it, it allows you to play Jota and, and Ayeti then gets that little bit more support. The midfield. And what you get then as well, you get with the two wing-backs, you almost got five across the middle of the park, which gives you a little bit more protection. In terms of protecting the back three, to try and keep a clean mm -hmm. sheet. That doesn't seem a, to be a language that Ange Postecoglou no, is, exactly. is speaking at the moment. probably wouldn't change, but I'm just thinking personal. Yeah, it's also not something you can just decide in one or two days. That, that That's something that needs to probably implement yeah, it into yeah. the team. Mm. Even behind the scenes, even if it's not what you're planning the next game, but yeah. you probably need to plan a few weeks in advance to give people ideas and plans and who's going to play mm. where and what they're going to do. Just to throw that in. You just don't see that happening. Don't see that happening. Is it then, Rob, I'll ask you, is it then the unwillingness for Ange to... He's stubborn. To, to, to not he's, change. He's basically stubborn. And, mm. and I'm not saying that's a negative. That's a, that's a positive thing. If, you, if you're stubborn enough to believe in what you're going to believe in, you think, right, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to play. I'm not going to change for anyone. And you concede and concede and concede. But well, you and, have, and, to, take, you and have to take the hit for it then, John. You're the manager. That's how you want to play. And Celtic run the risk of losing to Leverkusen this Thursday and possibly from there having very little chance of qualifying for the, the last 16 well, of, of the Europa yeah. and falling so far behind in the league that they're not competitive. Well, the league at the minute is six points. That's the big positive for them, that they've lost three games and drawn one out of seven and they're still only six points because behind. Because Rangers, Rangers aren't firing because on Rangers all Rangers haven't been great, but what you're finding is two teams who aren't playing well. One team is finding a way to win games mm -hmm. and one team isn't. That's the difference. So both will think there's a sense of improvement to come. They will get better. They'll be more creative. They'll get better at the back. That will come or may come. I keep hearing the Rangers fans saying, whenever we click, whenever we do this, you're 14 games into the season and you're still saying the same things. So it doesn't just happen with a click of the fingers. It takes three or four games to get your form up. You aren't just suddenly going to go out and be this great team again like you were last year and score half a dozen goals and look top of the world. Rangers have it a takes group. time. They have a, they, have a, they have a formation. They have a group that are used to playing in a certain well, they way. they change either. And they've been around together for a long time. You look at the scenario at Celtic, mm. the back four, you know, they've played together once or twice. Yeah. You know, the midfield is different personnel. McCarthy comes in, McGregor will come back, Rogic sits out, um, Ayeti's been playing, Kyogo's been playing, Abada's been missing, Jota is new to the club, played only six or seven games for the club. So it's almost like you've got, you've got to put a team together, you know, and, and that's difficult as well. That takes time. So to go then and change the system and go to a back three would confuse it even more. Of course yeah. it would. So that's why they'll say, we'll stay there as we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Celtic should have been planning for now from a long, long time ago, but uh, that's history now. And uh, and we are where we are. And they both have to be on top form Thursday night. No doubt about that. Rangers in Prague, Celtic at home to Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from 3.
105. Today was the day Stevie Clark named his squad for the massive doubleheader upcoming for Scotland at home to Israel. A week on Saturday, it's five in the evening. Kickoff followed by the Pharaohs and Torshavon the following Tuesday at 7.45. Gordon Kelly, McLaughlin, Cooper Hanley, Hendry, McKenna, O'Donnell, Patterson, Robertson, Tierney, Armstrong, Ferguson, Gilmore, McGinn, McGregor, McLean, McTominay, Turnbull, Adams, Christie, Dykes, Fraser and Nisbet. So Callum McGregor named in the squad, not currently playing for Celtic. No, I think, listen, when you name a squad, they're still 11, 11 days, I think, till, till match day. So plenty of time, a couple of games. Uh, Callum's in that situation. Stuart Armstrong's in a similar situation. But I'm hoping that they'll both get some minutes over the next couple of games and, and be fit and available to join the squad. Manchester United's Scott McTominay is back. No, no, listen, it's good to get as many of your, your better players in the squad as possible. Scott's certainly one of those, so it's good to have him back. And it is going to be interesting um, what he does uh, team-wise to accommodate mm-hmm. Scott McTominay. There's no way he's going to be sitting on the bench. Um, will Callum McGregor be ready to go? I guess it maybe all hinges on that. But but then Jack Hendry, right side of a back three, has looked pretty uh, decent as well, Crags, for Scotland. Yeah, I suppose it will depend on the fitness of Callum McGregor. If Callum arrives fully fit and fresh and says, I'm available to play, I've played for Celtic on Sunday in Aberdeen, uh, I'm ready to play now in the international next Saturday, then I would imagine Steve Clark will play him. And I think, unfortunately, Jack Hendry would probably be the one to miss out because Scott McTominay would drop in as a right centre half. He played there at Wembley. Uh, there's no problems with that. Jack Hendry is still one making his way in the game effectively, still trying to establish himself as an international player. Whereas I think... Scott McTominay has done that, Callum McGregor has done that, and Steve Clark is a stickler for experience and from past performances and looking back at people's history and what they've done well at and how the team have done well with certain players in it. So I would think the midfield three will be Billy Gilmer, John McGinn and Callum McGregor, the three who started at Wembley when they had such a strong, positive performance. Uh, Jack Hendry would, would miss out. I think it, it, uh, Scott McTominay played right centre-half, Hanley, Tierney, Robertson. Right wing back? Well, since... Nathan Patterson played against Moldova for Scotland. He's played 62 minutes of first-team football, Rob, which is not an awful lot in a month or five weeks. It was probably it's probably about a month for then suddenly play another international game. I mean, he played against Livingston. We covered the game against Livingston and he was blown after 60 minutes. He was, he was done. You know, he's had a couple of issues. I think COVID-related possibly, maybe missed some training. So it's affected his fitness-wise. So getting him back into playing against Livingston, he was blown heavy after an hour, hence the reason they brought him off. So he won't probably play any more minutes until the international game. So I think Stephen O'Donnell may be better placed. Plus, I thought Stephen O'Donnell was excellent in Austria. Yeah. So And then it's got to be Che Adams and, and Lyndon Dykes up front. But those two are a partnership. I think Scotland are a real physical handful. I've got Steve Clark's team. Okay. For me, Craig Gordon in goal. Three centre-halves. Hendry right. Hanley middle. Cheney left. Robertson left wing back. Patterson right, uh, right wing back. Gilmore, McTominay, McGinn, Dykes, Adams. So no McGregor. An ex-Celtic player's leaving out the current I, I, Celtic I, I captain, the best McGregor, player in Scottish football, John called him earlier, and he's leaving him out. McGregor might not be fit. If I, that's what I'm saying. If McGregor's fit, you leave McTominay out. You would leave Scott McTominay out? I would for McGregor. Yeah. So, but if McGregor's so that's John Hartson's fit, Scotland team, not Steve Clark's team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just right. I'm just giving you my team. Be yeah. brave, Christ. Give us your team. I just named it all when you were writing yours down. So what were the differences? In your your I, team and John would play centre half instead of Jack Hendry. Yeah, and Stephen O'Donnell Henry, would play. Hendry's been magnificent. He's just has. been part of that uh, win against Austria. 
And, and, and they're going to leave him out on, on Scotland's biggest result in years away from home. But isn't that, that a sign of how far Scotland has come? Isn't that a sign of how far Scotland have come? The, yeah. the competition well, that's what he wants. in the team. Well, centre half was always a position you know, he thought the struggled at. But Tony's totally not been playing for Man United. How did he come in and play for his well, country? He played at the he weekend. He's lost, so he, so lost to Villa. Yeah, yeah, but he's back so playing, yeah. and, and he'll well, play again, no, won't he? Well, all you need to know is, is that an ex-Celtic centre forward was left out the current Celtic captain, signed a five-year deal, said he was the best midfield player in Scotland I, I about an hour ago. I, absolutely, and now he's got him the bench I, I, for Scotland. I'm, I'm not wavering from that. <laughs> Callum McGregor's been out a while. You know, he, he, he might not play Thursday. He might not play against Aberdeen. All of a sudden. You know, Steve Clark. He's saying that he wants him to get a few minutes in his legs before mm. he he'll be in the squad. Um, for that first game, I think if he hasn't played for his club, then I don't think he'll start for Scotland. It's been a show of two halves. <laughs> McGregor was wonderful in the first half, and he's been dropped uh, in the second half. But uh, well, it's a lovely issue to have, isn't it? Because yeah. and that's what happens in top teams. Uh, you get good players uh, left out, and uh, unless there is a call off or two, which is obviously always possible. Uh, then Stevie Clark might have some big decisions to make. Uh, and he was saying today, every game is a massive game. Uh, Scotland looked to qualify for the World Cup. Every game's a cup final, I think. When it's when you get into qualification for a World Cup finals, uh, you want to do as well as you can, so you have to pick up points in every single game. Uh, there's no other way to look at it. Uh, I think I think every game, when you, you're playing for your country or you're managing your country, is should be treated like a cup final because you always want to do well for your country. And you both... From an international perspective, Wales and Northern Ireland know exactly what Stevie Clark's talking about there. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it was the the proudest thing I ever done was represent my country. You know, and I think the players in Scotland have a real feel and passion for their country now. You know, previously, in certain squads, and it was the same with Northern Ireland for a while when we weren't winning games and weren't scoring goals. People were tossing the coin whether they turn up or not. I might go, I might not go. I've got a sore leg, no, I'm not going to go. Where suddenly you start winning games, then everyone wants to come. Scotland has been to the Euros, they've had a little at the taste of what it's like to be at a major tournament. They feel as if they've got something good going. The age of the squad, the average age of the squad is really good. This squad could be together for the next four to six years. So there's a real energy and drive and enthusiasm and appetite about it. And what's happening is the fans are coming back and filling hand in park. That must be sensational for the Scotland players to think, wow, we played there in front of 18,000, 20,000 and people haven't been happy. Now we're getting a full house and there's a real chance of getting a playoff spot and pushing for another major tournament. It's a great time. Playing for your country is the pinnacle. You cannot go higher in life than representing your country at senior level. You're representing your heritage, not just you. You're representing your children, your father, your grandfather, everything, the great players of the past. For me, it was John Charles, Rush, Trevor Ford, Hughes, these guys. So Craig's is right. When you play for your country, it's the pinnacle of anybody's career. Some people might disagree with that. Some people might say, well, playing in the Champions League, playing individual honours, winning the FA Cup, winning different things, Champions League. But in my opinion, putting that red number nine shirt on my back, taking it off my idol, my icon, Ian Rush, who was my hero growing up, a Liverpool fan, meant everything to me. Every time, looking up to the crowd, 72,000 people at the Millennium Stadium. Your parents, how proud are your parents of their boy singing that anthem? 
You're that crying, was, yeah. yeah. That was great. No, but, but you know what? I, 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 it's, in, I, it's in 14 yeah, months. But it resonates with me. 14 months we will be going into the World Cup in Qatar. Mm. That's how short it is. It yeah. It's around the corner, right? It? It's the exact same. My dad used to be cock a God rest his soul, he passed away 10 years ago, but he was cock a for three days before the game. He couldn't sleep. After the game, he couldn't wait to speak to go through it all again. Yeah. International football, to see the family and hear the anthem, and then you think, wow, this is what it's all about. Kid. This is why as a kid you had dreams of football. You all want your children to aspire. Mm. Whether it's football or sport or whatever sport it is, but represent like your country. So you're not playing for you. You're playing for your parents, mm. your children. You, you're realising when you're out there, I, I'm, I'm not... I'm doing this for my family. They, mm. they, they have to tell people. They have to. They'll get all the plaudits as well. Do you know? And to think that you are, Crags was the best centre half in the whole of Northern Ireland. Nobody better well, than him. Well, at that particular time. No, yeah, no, but I, that particular, particular time game, when you were the number five players. or number six on your back mm. for your country. For me, it was number nine. I was the best centre forward in Wales. For that particular time, mm. nobody better. Yeah, well, it's great to hear the passion because for some players and in some at some times you've looked at international football and looked at players um, who were very much bearing in mind that it was the club that paid their wages yeah. and the club that made their career mm. and made them millionaires. Well, sometimes that was fed from the club to the player as well, also to put a little bit of pressure on. But at no stage in my career did I ever have a manager saying. You're not going. I remember getting injured once and Craig Brown said, well, you're going to go. You'll turn up and you'll let them assess you. And Craig was telling me to go mm. because Craig had been in international football. So I think when you get a, a group of players, Rob, who are in that mindset and want to do everything for the country and play and have that passion and drive, you've a real chance of succeeding. And that's why Steve Clark, Bannon into it, knows the players will be listening to his words, knows that people's families will be feeding the messages back. Your manager's just said once again, he loves you, he can't wait to see you all. And you think, wow. Can't wait to turn up and meet up again to see their manager. That's the feeling. He's building that all along. And Scotland's in a really good place at the minute. Let's hear this again. The last few years have been pretty strange for everybody. Uh, yeah, it's been a little bit different. <coughs> Obviously, we didn't quite manage to fill them out when the crowds were coming in when I first took over. I think the fact now that we're, we're able to sell out a game tells you that the, the Scottish public certainly are, are engaging with this team, the squad of players. I, I said the last time that I love my players. I love what they do for the country. I love the way they, they approach the games. They, they try to be successful. And I think the fact that we've got a full house for, for this game, and I believe the, the Denmark game sold out as well. So that shows that the players are doing something right. I think I'm going to give that as a ringtone on my phone. Great uh, words, to, yeah. great words. Very passionate. And he knows his players will be listening to that. And they'll go, I love you as well. So yeah. before we come on the show, we're Whitley Houston sing a song about love. And we're now finishing on Steve Clark oh, hey. talking about love. It was just a bit in between. It was rubbish with me, John, and you. Exactly. But anyway, <laughs> love at the start and love at the end, Rob. Exactly. Some people think, think this show is thrown together as well. Uh, thanks again to Rochelle for uh, helping us uh, put it all together. In fact, she, she did put it all together, is the truth of the matter. Uh, thanks a lot to John. Thanks a lot to Craggs as well. Those big matches for Scotland. Uh, a date in your diary, of course, week on Saturday, Scotland-Israel at Hamden. It's going to be a full house and it's a five o'clock kickoff. And Scotland in the Faroes the following Tuesday. That's on the 12th and that is a 7.45 kickoff. That's it for the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday. I'm back uh, tomorrow with Barry Ferguson and Davy Proven live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five.